A union contract with the Department of Veterans Affairs gets its first major update in more than a decade. VA and the American Federation of Government Employees recently ratified a new work agreement, ending a six-year standoff. VA expects the new contract will let it hire people faster as it prepares for the biggest expansion of health care benefits in a generation. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman joins me with more. So, Jory, what has exactly changed in this new contract? What's striking about this is how little has changed for how long it took to get here to this point to a new agreement. The key takeaway here is that the VA and the AFGE are able to now bring new employees into the department more quickly. It's a faster time to hire, which is something that agencies seek government-wide, but is particularly acute at the VA. The recent numbers we've heard is the median for healthcare employees is 160 days to bring them on from the beginning to end of that process. We heard from VA Secretary Dennis McDonough. He said that this new contract is really going to help the department at a time when they're trying to bring a lot of people on under the PACT Act. So we're looking for every efficiency we can find to improve that hiring process. And McDonough said that this is going to make that hiring process a lighter lift, but he said there are some things outside this contract that the VA will have to work on internally and when it comes to making that process better, faster, stronger. Sounds like the union relented on what parts of hiring that the agency has more discretion on. Yeah, this tracks pretty consistently with what we've seen with some of the other agreements that the VA has made with some of the other unions. What we're looking at here is that from the time that they post an announcement, they have a shorter window to move on to that next phase. So for some agencies, that was going down from 15 days to three days. So they're really able to just go, go, go once they have qualified candidates and they can move on to that next phase in the process. And looking at this whole deal, what took so long? As you said, it was stalled for six years, the talks. Yeah, this is one of the most contentious sagas in recent memory of federal labor relations between VA and AFGE. They settled on a tentative agreement back in April of this year, but there's a really long tail to the story. You know, negotiations stalled under the Trump administration. There were some pushbacks government-wide about official time and things of that nature. In July of 2021, the VA reached a settlement with AFGE. They restored some of that official time and some other items that were sticking points for the union. Right. We should point out official time means that VA employees can take total leave from their job to do union work. That amount of hours had been like cut by 90 percent, I think, under the Trump administration. The 2021 agreement restored that official time. Plus, they got their offices back, too, right? Yeah, that's a good recap of what happened in the past couple of years here. And so VA and AFGE were back to the bargaining table in early 2022. They reopened just a few articles for consideration. And so here we are today with a new addition to that master agreement. And AFGE, safe to say, pretty happy about it? You know, they recognize that this is a compromise meaning that not everyone gets everything that they wanted. But we did hear from AFGE National President Everett Kelly say that this is something that ultimately is a win-win for both parties. We had a new administration come in and a new secretary that listened, okay? And then when we had people that listened, then we were able to get the job done. The old crowd listened. They just didn't agree. In this case, you had the crowd listening and agreeing. Getting back to that question of growing that workforce, this is because of the PACT Act and VA growing its workforce and by how much? Well, it's hard to underestimate how much the PACT Act is 
creating this demand signal for new employees. This is going to be the largest expansion of both VA healthcare and benefits in a generation, and it reflects in the hiring that we're seeing at both VHA, the Veterans Health Administration, and VBA, the Veterans Benefits Administration. Both of those agencies have now the largest workforces that they've had in history. We're seeing the VHA on track with its hiring goals. The VBA now has a 30,000-employee workforce that's being supplemented by some new automation tools that they're trying to roll out to make sure that they're meeting the pace of claims that are coming in. Yeah, so the VHA workforce is up by almost 5%. The VHA workforce is up by 5%. Okay. And meanwhile, what about the metrics for how effectively VA has been fulfilling the PACT Act? That is to say, are they getting people signed up and under benefits and into the system without a gigantic backlog? Well, the backlog is something that they're dealing with here. Uh, It does add a significant workload to what the VA was already dealing with before the PACT Act was signed into law. But this is translating into real benefits, going to real people here. Nearly $2 billion in benefits have gone out the door in the one year that the PACT Act has been signed into law. And about 330,000 veterans have been enrolled into VA health care specifically under that legislation. And 4 million veterans have gotten toxic exposure screenings during the regular course of their VA experience in their hospital system. So the workload is greater, and now VA can hire faster, and they seem to be able to hire faster. Yeah, that's a pretty good recap of it. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. And check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees, joined Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to share how his upbringing in rural Alabama eventually propelled him to the forefront of thousands of union members raising a collective voice. After years of leadership with both the largest federal employee union and as a pastor, Everett Kelly reflects on his deep-rooted values of integrity and hard work. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today I'm joined by Mr. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees. Everett, welcome and thank you for being here. Shane, thank you. It's a pleasure. It's mine. You first joined AFGE in 1981 during what eventually became your 30 years of service at Anniston Army Depot. We're now more than 40 years past 1981 and you've been the union's national president since 2020. How's your decades-long involvement with AFGE impacted the way you view your role now as the union's leader? The time that I spent as local president, I simultaneously spent that same time as a pastor in Alabama. I like to say that this was my training ground because as I was entering into the role of unionism, I was also entering into ministry. And so I see my role even as the union leader, as ministry. It's never an understatement because this is what I believe. I believe that if you love people and show people that you love them, people will follow you. My business is in the business of growing people, uh, and that's what I do. And I I think that my training as a pastor and as a union uh, leader has given me the ability to really you know, uh, grow people because I feel like that, you know, it's my responsibility both as a union leader and as a pastor to ensure that people have a livable wage. 
it's also uh, my responsibility to ensure that people are treated fair with dignity and respect on the job. And I think that goes in both uh, arenas. So, so I've seen this, you know, as ministry, as I've grown through the four decades of leading people. Putting those two together is amazing. AFGE handles a massive array of issues and topics of importance to feds across many departments and agencies. What is it like being at the forefront of all those moving parts, and how do you manage it all? Well, first of all, let me give kudos to my staff, okay? Uh, Because it's just no way that I could manage all of this work and all the moving parts by myself. But I have an excellent staff that always make sure that I'm prepared and that I'm ready. But it's exciting. It's exciting to be out in the forefront, you know, uh, bringing people to the realization that they have something to fight for. But again, I cannot, and please understand when I say I cannot, it's, it's, it's what I truly believe. I cannot do it without a good, strong staff. Uh, and I tell anybody that, but I enjoy fighting for the cause. I enjoy standing in front of a group of AFG members, calling them to action, and then standing back and watching that action come to fruition. Because I know that I'm not the one that's doing it, okay? They're the one that's doing it. I'm merely casting a vision, right? And I enjoy casting a vision and then watching a vision come to fruition. And it's the staff and the members that get that done. As CEO at, at WEPA, I completely and totally understand that we rely on them. It's not just nice to have. We rely on them. Absolutely. As AFGE president, you often speak at union rallies and other events widely attended by federal employees. What's it like to experience that direct connection to employees? And how does that influence your leadership style? You know, that gets me excited, okay? To be standing in front of a group of AFGE leaders get me excited. To hear the words, who are we? And the chants that come back that says AFGE gets me excited. It gets my motor uh, running, if you will. And it's exciting to look at them and see the motivation in their faces when they're fighting for a cause. And and, and all of us come together and fight uh, in solidarity, fight as one, raise one voice. You can't explain the feeling. You just know that it's right. You know, I just know that it's right when I'm standing there and I feel this and I never fail to say thank you again because I'm the one that merely cast the vision. They are the ones that get the work done. And so when I see them out there ready to go and that call to action goes out, and then I see them really begin to march on that uh, initiative. It's an energy that I cannot explain. I can explain it. I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> um, the, Describe how your personal background and upbringing folds into how you function as a leader. You know, understanding that I was born in the Deep South. I was born in a little small town in Goodwater, Alabama, population 1,292 today. Born to parents that, and I hope I don't offend anybody, and I've got to quit saying this, but, but I was born to a set of parents that believed and trusted in God. And that began to establish who I was. I began to trust God myself in everything that I do. I I trust God even in this situation as a union leader because my parents taught me to believe in uh, the Bible. And with that came 
do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. In other words, treat people right. Treat people with respect, right? Do what's right. It taught me, you know, about integrity, right? It taught me about being honest, you know, and that's what's needed in the role of a leader of this union. It's it's needed, uh, and, you know, I try to portray that. I try to portray a person of honesty and a person of integrity. And so being in the Deep South, you know, you you, you just learn those things, and that's what has helped me uh, throughout my path as a union leader. And it's always nice, that whole approach, because you don't have multiple approaches with different people or different sets of different tasks, different energy. It's it's always straightforward, yes. honest, here's the truth. Yes. And it, it's it's easy. Yes, right? yes. It's a lot easier than having multiple personas. Absolutely. You, yeah. Absolutely. What's one piece of advice, if you could go back and tell yourself when you were starting your career? You know, I don't know you asked for one, but I'm, I'm going to have to elaborate on two, yeah, if that's yeah. okay. Number one, I would explain the urgency of integrity a lot sooner than what I did, right? Because to me, integrity is not necessarily what you see others do or what others see you do, but integrity to me is what you do even when no one is looking. And so I I would really begin to stress that importance more so at an earlier state in my leadership role rather than the latter part. Okay, I begin to stress that more now, but I wish I had began to do that more at the earlier states in my uh, role. Secondly, I would tell myself to always, and I'm going back to my roots, always work hard and don't ever accept no as an answer, right? Because I just believe that if you want it bad enough, if you want to achieve it, you can. It's all about the amount of work you put into it, right? And the and the amount of faith you have that it can be accomplished. So when I look at AFGE and its membership and where we were four or five years ago and where we are today, that's a reminder that you can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it and work hard enough. And one question that's always kind of interesting at, at the end of our time together is, is there one person, you mentioned your parents before, mm-hmm. um, is there one person or maybe more than one who really inspired you when you were younger that you might even think back on today? It was my grandmother, you know, with the understanding that when and when I was born, right, as I said, I was born in the Deep South. My father worked extremely hard. We didn't have a whole lot. You know, my, I had 12 siblings. And so when I was born, I was very sick. As a matter of fact, the doctor said I wouldn't live to be 16 years old. The doctor said I wouldn't ever hold a job. But my grandmother would always teach me how to pray. And she taught me about faith. And it is prayer and faith that has allowed me to be standing here today. Suppose I've been dead 50 years ago, but I'm 66 years old now. And it's all because of my faith and my belief and my prayer life. And I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Amazing story. Thank you for sharing all of it with us, Everett, and really appreciate you being on the show today. Pleasure is mine. And this is Shane Canfield. We'll see you next time on Lessons in Leadership. Find the full podcast and future episodes of Lessons in Leadership on the Federal News Network app and anywhere you enjoy your podcasts.